0: Welcome to Never Again is Now, a podcast about anti-Semitism. I am Evelyn Marcus, and in addition to being a psychologist, I am featured in the documentary about anti Never Again is Now. I am a Dutch Jew and the daughter of Holocaust survivors. In 2006, I immigrated to the United States because of the rising anti-Semitism in Europe.
1: I am Phyllis Zimbler Miller. I was born in a small town and grew up in the Midwest where our grandparents and great grandparents had come at the turn of the century before to get away from the Tsar and other anti Semitic incidents in Eastern Europe. But in 1970, my US Army officer husband and I were stationed in Munich, Germany, only 25 years after the end of World War II. This changed our lives forever.
0: Michał Milewicz is an associate professor of psychology and the director of the Center for Research on Prejudice at the University of Warsaw, Poland. His main research interests concern reconciliation, antisemitism, dehumanization, and linguistic social psychology. From 2005 to 2006, he was a Fulbright, scholar at the New School for Social Research in New York. In 2015, he received the National Science Center Award in the Humanities, Social Sciences and the Arts. Michal, welcome to our show. We're thrilled to have you on.
2: Thank you for this invitation. Um, I'm honored to to take part in this uh, podcast on the topic which I find highly relevant, unfortunately highly relevant in our times uh, globally, but particularly so in the Eastern Europe where I work.
0: Yes, so we we don't know uh, that much about Eastern Europe and we hope to learn more from you today. So first, um, maybe a more personal question. Why did you make the choice to focus your research on prejudice, anti-Semitism, dehumanization, and reconciliation?
2: Um uh, I don't think that this is such a surprising choice of research topic for uh, a researcher who was raised um, uh, in a Jewish family or a mixed uh, Uh, Jewish, non-Jewish family in uh, Poland, uh, where um, we mainly, we have a feeling of of living on the ashes, of living uh, on a place which used to be uh, one of the largest Jewish communities um, in the world. Um, And after the Holocaust, uh, there are just a few thousands of remaining um, uh, members of the Jewish community. Um, in a country that, that, that um, where where a Jewish community was counted in millions rather than in thousands of people, um, and uh, in a place where we see the the not only the remnants of these communities, cemeteries, uh, abandoned synagogues, uh, um, mikvahs, and you know all of these uh, places, they are in the environment, but of course they are abandoned. There are no people. Um, there and um, from time to time you see uh, young people, uh, Christian poles who are discovering this this history and exploring it, being fascinated by that. But then, on the other hand, you also have those um, large uh, proportion of the society of people who are uh, anti-Semitic, even at the absence of, of Jews uh, in the country. So this creates a situation that's worth. Um, uh, investigation for uh, scientists, especially social scientists who is, who, who, who enters this um, uh, this area and uh, this is probably how I became interested in, in those uh, problems and of course the, the history of the Holocaust as a prominent example of dehumanization of um, uh, of uh, um stereotyping and prejudice and uh the genocide which is a consequence of those psychological processes uh, um, this is something that inspires much of, of of my research interests and i think that what i study today is very much inspired by my thinking about uh, about what happened here in poland uh during the holocaust
0: i see so it, it's Um, a a very natural choice of topics in the environment where you live, given the history there and the current anti-Semitism still being there, uh, even now when there are no Jews, hardly any Jews around, right? Let
1: me, let's, Growing up, you said you come from a mixed Jewish and non-Jewish family. Did you know about the Holocaust? How did it affect your growing up in terms of your own family story? If you'd like to share your family survival story with us, that would be fine.
2: Um, yeah, I don't think that the term survival is an, an absolutely accurate story in terms of my family. One of my grandmothers, in in her case, it was indeed a story of survival because she um, escaped the ghetto in Lvov, um, uh, and she was raised in Kolomea in what is today Ukraine uh, and used to be Galician, part of Poland before the war. And uh, she escaped the ghetto and uh, with her um, whole family uh, killed in, in Bełżec's uh, death camp. She was the only person who survived on false documents on the so-called Aryan side in Warsaw, pretending to be... Uh, a gentile pretending to be non-jewish uh, and 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 this is this is the, the 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 story her her story that she didn't tell much about that because it was so traumatic she was very enthusiastic about telling um her pre-war stories and telling about our family history and the rabbis that we were that that our ancestors were and and, and so on uh, like she the story of colomea and 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 of of our family in colomea was uh, uh, something we we talked about a lot uh, in my childhood with her, but she almost never taught anything about the Holocaust. This was not something she wanted to talk about. Uh, she refused to give her testimony to to uh, Spielberg's uh, show Archives. Uh, um, so this is this is the story of one part of 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 my family. I had another great-grandfather who survived the war uh, being in Romania, where it was actually somewhat easier for Jewish people to, to survive because he was not sent to Transnistria. He was um, in Chernivtsi. He was quite wealthy. He had Chilean passport, which was wow. a, a way, a, a strategy to, to, to um, somehow um, uh, have some sense of safety in these worst years um, in Romania. And then he, when the when the Soviets entered, he joined the Red Army, and this was uh, his story. Was, he was never like um, with his Chilean passport and um, quite good uh, financial situation. He he survived the war without too many uh, turbulences. And I have also another uh, story from my second grandfather, who was um, also this the, the question whether it was survival. He was. Uh, actively resisting. So he was part of the Jewish resistance, he was uh, one of the fighters of the Bialystok ghetto. So he was fighting, he was a member of the, of the uh, resistance, uh, communist resistance uh, in the Bialystok ghetto and then he left the ghetto just before the uprising started. He, he uh, left to the forest and he joined a partisan unit and um, he was actively uh, fighting Germans during the war. Um, although he lost his family he lost his um, his wife and uh, and daughter and uh, remarried um, Christian wife my uh, second grandfather after the war so this is the the, 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 the mixture of different fates during the war and uh, also whenever I think about it there is a lot of um, psychology there and different uh, reactions that they faced from the uh, Polish environment, from the Germans uh, ranging from righteousness and support uh, to uh, betrayal and and, uh, hatred. So um, I think it's a very important inspiration for us to think about the society today and the variability of of people's moral behavior um, in different uh,
1: situations. Thank you for sharing that. We appreciate it.
0: According to the Anti-Defamation League, 48% of the Polish population is anti-Semitic, which is the highest percentage in Eastern Europe and twice as high as in Western Europe. Five times as high even as in the United States. What, what do you think are the reasons that so many people in Poland are anti-Semitic? I
2: think there are several reasons for these differences in the results uh, between Poland or, first of all, between Eastern Europe and the West. Uh, um, Here, I think there's a big, uh, the big um, issue behind those differences is uh, um, the question of social desirability or political correctness, which shapes people's responses in opinion polls, in surveys. Uh, we know that in America, the problem is way larger than we get it from uh, such reports from surveys. We know that in the Western Europe, the problem is really significant. And uh, there was a number of attacks on, on Jewish institutions. Uh, and um, and the, the perception of, of uh, hostility from the environment among Jewish population is uh, rather high. Um, I was engaged in the large research project uh, organized by uh, Fundamental Rights Agency, comparing, um, this was a survey of Jewish populations in different countries in Europe. And in almost all countries that we have studied, majority of uh, Jewish populations perceive the situation to be worsening and perceives uh, the anti-Semitism to be growing in those countries. So I wouldn't say that... um, uh, the situation is so good in the Western Europe, and it's so tragic in the Eastern Europe. The problem is that in the Eastern Europe, people are openly expressing their anti-Semitic views. So when they are talking to pollster uh, or completing the questionnaire, they are they, they they feel it's not something to be ashamed of, and and this is a the big problem and the big problem, especially in our region. Um, Probably this could be attributed to lack of democracy and and censorship during the communist era. And after the collapse of communism, people thought, now this is time when we can openly express any view and nobody can constrain anything what we think. And this is the moment when people started expressing um, anti-Semitism in a very blatant way, uh, differently from from the Western Europe, where... It was more of a taboo uh, issue. People could be anti-Semitic but not express it publicly. So this is one difference. But also there are other historical differences and um, uh, first of all um, the relations between the non-Jewish Poles before the war and uh, uh, Jews or Jewish Poles before the war, uh, there was a conflict already then. And we know the history of pogroms and the history of uh, Uh, sort of competition uh, in the labor uh, market between the the, um, people who were traders, who uh, were shopkeepers. Of course, there there was a a, a competition between the the traditionally, these were professions that were traditionally Jewish in those uh, uh, countries of Eastern Europe and Poland. And uh, since the beginning of the 20th century, more and more Poles were leaving villages, leaving rural areas, and trying to enter the the job market in the cities become uh, uh, also uh, craftsmen uh, 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 um, or getting into commerce uh, things that their ancestors have never been doing. It was also a tabooized thing for for Christians, and and this was the the the, the starting point that there was this competition and the, they needed some good justification for in this competition and anti semitic became a very a very. Uh, easy way to express their hostility against the, com- com- the in this com- competition. <laughs> and of course there was another source of that was Christianity and and, and Roman Catholicism in which didn't make it very different uh, the Polish situation from any other country in the region because also here jew was uh, the the a um, uh, proximal other. For Christians, yes, those who did not believe in uh, Jesus, who are who are uh, who who did not join those uh, this uh, 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 religious um, movement, and uh, uh, and uh, therefore uh, Christianity was always fueling anti-Semitism in the region very much. Uh, so these are some peculiarities of of of, of uh, that, that are uh, maybe some of them are more typical for Eastern Europe, some of them are more typical for Poland, some of them not. And of course, the history of the Holocaust, and the question of um, behavior during the Holocaust or misbehavior of uh, large proportion of Polish population, who some of them, I mean, Poland never. did never create a collaborationist state. So it was very different from, let's say, Norway or uh, France with Vichy regime or Hungary with the Arrow Cross movement. Uh, There was never a a collaborationist uh, uh, state during the the Nazi occupation. But it didn't make the attitudes of Poles towards Jews any better. Uh, So there was an underground movement and an underground state. But this state was uh, somehow trying to exclude Jews from the future Poland. So um, there were um, some organized actions within the Polish underground state to help Jews. But at the same time, there were many uh, uh, parts of the Polish resistance that were openly anti-Semitic, that were killing Jews during the war. Um, and, uh, for example, from the, the, the testimonies of uh, my grandfather and his comrades, uh, who were Jewish partisans, uh, we know that they were uh, equally afraid of uh, Germans and of uh, Polish underground when they were uh, fighting in those uh, forests and, and trying to survive in the in the forests of uh, eastern Poland and, and Belarussia So the history is very complicated here, and much of the antisemitism is fueled by... Um, problems uh, uh, related to this Holocaust history, which is a history of uh, a bystandership, of passivity, uh, of lack of compassion in many cases, and sometimes even uh, uh, crimes against, against Jews. And we have more and more historian, historical discoveries uh, pointing to those crimes during the war.
0: And maybe that's relevant to uh, a history of incredible suffering of the Polish population during World War II. Maybe that has an influence too. On that. very
2: much, very much so. The the, the competition of victimhood, and I, I think this is a topic which which uh, I wanted to to discuss in a more extensive way because. Uh, Again, this is not specific for for Poland, but we see in all studies that we've been conducting in Poland that uh, those people who believe in, uh, who who, uh, consider their nation to be unique in their suffering, so who are very much focused on the suffering of of Poland, those people, among those people, we observe the highest levels of antisemitism because Jews are uh, obvious competitors in the status of who is the prototype of the victim. And uh, uh, again, this is not unique to Poland. Uh, we've been uh, studying with our colleagues uh, uh, those, uh, 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 th- th- those problems very recently in Hungary, uh, in Slovakia, and we see the same. Those people who think their nation was the unique victim in the history, they would consider also Jews Uh, They would deny Jewish suffering and they would be the most uh, anti-Semitic in in the whole population. And a very interesting study is conducted by Laura de Gizmet in in, uh, Belgium among Congolese immigrants showed the same in Belgium. That those uh, Congolese immigrants who have never met any Jewish person in their home country, uh, from which they, they migrated to Belgium, while living in belgium they uh, uh, you can you can find high levels of antisemitism among them why is it so because they realized that their own the history of of the genocide of congolese people uh, com- committed by belgians has not been properly addressed and they think we are not commemorated because uh, the holocaust is always acknowledged so much so all those situations where people believe that The acknowledgement of the Holocaust is a zero-sum game. If the Holocaust is recognized, we will not be recognized. So in case of Poland, for example, the the, uh, uh, tragedy that happened in in Katyn, where Polish soldiers were uh, killed, thousands of Polish soldiers were killed by the Soviets, or other tragedies, the the massacres during Warsaw Uprising, uh, not the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising, but the, 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 the Warsaw Uprising in 1944, again, many i'm I'm quite sure that many of our listeners have never heard about those crimes. So among many polls, there is a sense of not being properly acknowledged, and this might be a stepping stone for anti-semitism. If we are not acknowledged, then those who are acknowledged become obvious enemies. So this is why I think it is very essential that we should talk about those other crimes. and I don't think that it's it that it, the fact that we commemorate the Holocaust would make those crimes any less, uh, uh, uh salient or or, or or discussed in the public discourse
0: i i, I find that a, a very plausible but also a well underpinned uh, uh finding um and also it makes me think of the of the woke movement today in the united states or in the in in western uh europe where there is no room anymore for Seeing the suffering of Jews because, and the argument is that the suffering of other groups um, would not get enough room um, if the Jews start to talk about being vulnerable. So that's shut off from, from wokeism, so to speak. Um, anyway, that, that, that was my uh, association with uh, what you just said, Phyllis.
1: Yes, well, in a way you answered my next question, which is about um, the Anti-Defamation League survey said 74% of Polish people think Jews still talk too much about what happened to Jews in the Holocaust. And in a way you explained it, but I I wanna say something because I've been reading since the lockdown quite a bit of uh, history, Polish history. I read Jan Karski's book, did I pronounce his name correctly? The, wait, it's called The Underground State, I think. State, yes. Okay, and we know about the Holocaust in America and we know which countries many of us invaded, but really Hitler thought the Poles were just a little bit above the Jews. He also considered them undermentioned and he wanted their land and therefore they had to be gone. So your explanation does really resonate with me because I understand that the Poles may feel that they are not given I don't want to say a share of history, but an appreciation of history of how much they were to be wiped out. And yes, I do know about the Warsaw Uprising. That's after the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising, as the Soviets were approaching Warsaw, am I saying this correctly? And they thought the Soviets would come and help. And instead, the Soviets stayed on the other side of whichever river, you want to tell me which river, Mm -hmm. and uh, waited for the Poles to kind of die in the attempt before the Russians came in. So I agree that we need uh, t- to look more completely at the history. And I don't know that it still really explains anti-Semitism in Poland. Do you want to add anything?
2: Yeah, this uh, history I mean, the scale of trauma and, and, and the tra- traumatization of Poles during the war is something which I, I agree it's not... Properly acknowledged globally, uh, when you think about the the, the the suffering of of non-Jewish Poles, uh, we are talking about ten um, percent of the population of the country, uh, excluding uh, Jewish Poles. So only among ethnic Poles, ten uh, percent, so one person in ten would be killed, or would die, or would suffer, or, or would die because of, of of war sufferings during the. Uh, during those uh, um, uh, five years of the of the Second World War in Poland, so this is massive. I mean, losing ten percent of, of of a population is it's uh, uh, it, it's hard to understand, uh, hard to imagine that. Uh, now, of course, it's uncomparable to the fate of Polish Jews because among Polish Jews, the proportion was the reverse. It was ninety percent of those who were killed, and only ten percent. Who survived? So, again, these numbers—you you can when you make this comparison. Of course, the the tragedy and the suffering of Jews is is uh, 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 way higher. But when you look at objective numbers, the numbers are relatively similar because it's it's the the the, the in, in, in in the in the uh, amount of the so it's about three million of non-Jewish poles who were killed during the. Uh, uh, Second World War and the Nazi occupation, and it's approximately 3 million of uh, Polish Jews who were killed in that uh, time. So here you can say maybe this is comparable. And and this is an ongoing issue in the Polish-Jewish relations today, um, how to discuss about these problems. And um, in many uh, opinion polls, this question has been asked, what do you think who did suffer more during the Holocaust? Did Jews suffer more? Did Poles suffer more? Or did both nations suffer the same? And uh, when you look at the responses to that in opinion polls, in early 1990s, in 1992, a vast majority of participants in those studies uh, in Poland would say Jews suffered more. Because at that time, many people remembered, they have seen, they have witnessed, And even if they were very anti-Semitic, they knew what happened. Now, year after year, the number of people who say Jews suffered more is decreasing. Mm. And the number of people who say both groups suffered the same or Polish people suffered more, this group is increasing in time. And today the dominant response is both groups suffered the same. So both Jews and Poles suffered the same during the the, the Nazi occupation. So uh, you can see the growing ignorance Which is, uh, first of all, the reason for that is lack of proper historical education. And in Poland, historical education is very biased. It excludes the the Jewish topics. The Holocaust education is almost absent. It's mostly, Holocaust is mostly taught through the narrative of righteousness and uh, Polish, and the rescue actions and Polish heroism but uh, not much is being uh, uh, taught about, uh, about the, the fate of Jews, um, um, a part of those, those stories of, of rescue. Um, so there, there are there are big problems here, and I, I do not deny the the, the, the problem, the, the the scale of the of the Polish suffering. And I don't know in in Zamosch area, uh, Polish children were kidnapped from their families and being uh, uh, given to German families because the aim of the Nazis was to colonize this part of Poland and to make it purely German and to assimilate those Polish children. I mean, there there are absolutely genocidal uh, uh, events. But of course, if you compare them to Auschwitz, Treblinka, and Belzec and Sobibor, they they seem not to count so much. So this is the this is the problem, which I think is, uh, um, which I think should be addressed. And I, I, uh, in my um, uh, um, dreams, I, 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 I sometimes uh, really uh, can imagine the situation in which both Jewish diaspora and Jews in Israel are acknowledging this history of Poland and Poles are becoming more open to the fact that the Jewish suffering was specific, that Holocaust was unique. And this is something which has to be made um, absolutely, uh, um, has to be expressed very openly. And uh, as long as we cannot talk about this uniqueness of the Holocaust, then then it is a distortion of the history. And this is what we are hearing in Poland almost all the time from politicians, from uh, people responsible for education. They are distorting the Holocaust by denying the fact of the uniqueness of, of Jewish suffering.
1: Thank you. That's very interesting information. I think that's, I have to think about that because it's really important. Evelyn.
0: Is the anti-Semitism in Poland today? Is it verbal, physical, or socially excluding Jews? Does it come from the left, the right, religion?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, as I said, the the Jewish population in Poland is not more than ten thousand people. So uh, when we think about you know the the open violence against Jewish people, it's it's not really targeting the highly assimilated Jewish population in Poland uh, uh, so this is probably not the case there is not of uh, we there were some single acts of you know there was an attack against the Polish rabbi uh, approximately 20 years ago already uh, there was uh, uh, burning of the doors of the Jewish synagogue in Poland we uh, hear about numerous such incidents uh, uh, on at Jewish cemeteries, where Jewish cemeteries are being desecrated, and uh, uh, you can see some anti Semitic graffiti on the walls, and also uh, at, at uh, uh, something being put on the Jewish tombstones and matzevot and the cemeteries. So these things happen in Poland, but uh, they are rarely uh, active acts of violence. So, you know, like shootings, synagogue shootings, uh, uh, these are things that we didn't. Uh, uh, um, uh, that we didn't witness Baruch Hashem in, in, in Poland until until now, but um, on the uh, on the other hand, uh, um, the problem remains. But the problem is the the problem of antisemitism is in Poland more about this uh, illusory Jew or imagined imaginary Jew. Mm-hmm. So uh, these are conspiracy beliefs about Jewish control over politics, Jewish control over uh, economy. Uh, Jewish plot against Poland, uh, Jewish organizations that are um, trying to get uh, material compensations and mm, have claims against Poland, and and so on and so on. So these different uh, conspiracy theories, they are omnipresent. We hear them from the governing party in Poland, so they are not on the fringe of the politics; they are in the mainstream of the politics. Um, We hear them from, we can read about them, we can see them on the cover of uh, well-selling newspapers and journals. Uh, So this is the reality. And um, in the study that I mentioned here already, the the study that we've done with the Fundamental Rights Agency, we found that for the well-being of Jewish communities, uh, it's not only the fear of violence, which is important, but also the general atmosphere. So the hate speech which you hear in everyday life can be as threatening as real violence and this is one of the main motivators for Jewish people to consider emigration from the country it's the hate speech is this atmosphere the atmosphere that we are not welcome that we are not being considered equal citizens with other citizens and this is something which is which is highly pro- which is a big problem in Poland When we are doing studies of that problem, we almost always see that it's um, politically skewed to the right. So this is the problem of the right wing, not of the left wing. But in Poland, the right wing dominates. So in Poland, the uh, governing party today is a nationalistic populist party. Uh, they have uh, opposition which is on one hand right-wing extremists mm. on the other hand uh, let's say liberal conservatives so most of the politics is skewed to the right the social democratic party is rather small it's uh, approximately 10 percent of the of uh, of the electorate of, of of the left-wing party is approximately 10 to 15 percent not more so most of the polish party... Politics is on the right, and the, the liberal conservative party is not anti-Semitic. The nationalistic populist party, the one which is which forms the Polish government, uh, is. Um, I would say that many of their uh, speeches and many of their activities reveal uh, uh, that they be that they spread those anti-Semitic conspiracy beliefs, uh, conspiracy theories. And, uh, and there is also this, this right wing extremist party which is pushing them from the right. Uh, their popularity, they have also their electorate is 5 to 10 percent, not very much, but they set the agenda in terms of, of anti Semitism. Uh, and um, they, they, um, they create this anti Semitic discourse, which then uh, uh, the governing party is picking from that point. So yes in Poland we almost uh, always find a very strong correlation of uh, uh, political ideology with antisemitism so it's it's clearly on the on the right it's clearly related to nationalist right wing views when it comes to religion the correlations are usually very weak so we don't see religion to be a primary factor of antisemitism today mm-hmm. And of course, uh, it's due to the fact that we have two different, in fact, although more than 90% of Poles are Roman Catholics, there are two different churches when it comes to to the Jewish, um, to the question of of attitudes toward Jews. So uh, there are those who follow uh, the legacy of Pope John Paul II, who was Polish and who made very large progress in terms of Christian Jewish dialogue. So the followers of this uh, church, many of them are conservative. They are conservative Christians. They are not, I would not call them, uh, uh, many of them, I would not call them, you know, uh, liberals uh, in, the, in the church, uh, but uh, many of them are conservative, but still they are following the teaching of, uh, of, of John Paul II. At the same time, there is another voice in the Catholic Church, which is highly anti-Semitic, and it's mostly connected to the uh, Catholic Radio Maria, which is the, uh, we have a, a radio station which is um, very uh, widely broadcasted in the in the country, which uh, used to spread conspiracy beliefs, also anti-Semitic conspiracy beliefs. And it's also uh, part of the Catholic Church. And many bishops are uh, uh, followers of this radio. Polish government is very much inspired by this radio and connected to it. And they are uh, often invited to, to speak in this radio. So this is the source of, uh, of uh, anti-Jewish um, hatred. This used to be for, for many years, the source of anti-Jewish hatred in Poland. Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you. Everything that you say is so enlightening to someone in the West about uh, what's going on in Poland. I can't thank you enough. And so we don't have that much time left, but I really do want to ask you these two questions that are kind of connected. You study the difficulties in teaching school children about the Holocaust. Could you quickly tell us what are the difficulties? And also, is it effective to take school children to Auschwitz? How do they react? What do they learn?
2: Actually, many Polish school children go to Auschwitz, visit Auschwitz, um, for many reasons, because uh, it's important to note also that uh, Auschwitz, except of being a death camp, a major death camp where um, Jews were killed, uh, was also a very important concentration camp, where uh, 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 many uh, Poles were killed and uh, uh, some of them survived, so we have many... Um, uh, stories and testimonies of the survivors from Auschwitz. Polish, uh, One of the Polish post-war prime ministers was a survivor from Auschwitz. Uh, more recently, a Polish minister of uh, foreign affairs. Władysław Wajtoszewski was also another survivor from, from Auschwitz. So uh, those memories are shared in many families. So it's uh, also an important part of those Polish martyrdom during the, the Second World War. Um, so, so yes, uh, Polish children visit, uh, Polish uh, uh, students visit Auschwitz. Uh, the problem is that many of them visit Auschwitz too early, uh, because as we, many of us uh, are aware of the March of the Living and of the Israeli tours to visit Auschwitz, and those tours are usually taking place, uh, uh, those students who go to visit Poland and visit uh, death camps, they do that when they are 17, 18 years old, so they are more mature. In Poland, um in many cases, these are 12, 13 years old children who are visiting Auschwitz. And I think this is too early and uh, they're not prepared well and uh, to, to, to comprehend those, you know, those very traumatic stories. Um, we've been studying visits to Auschwitz uh, recently more intensively, and we found that... Um, for many young Poles, it's a very traumatic experience. And we found uh, that uh, approximately 13% of those young visitors to Auschwitz end with uh, a secondary uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. So with real mental health uh, problem. So one month after we really observed that uh, in one in 10 people young people who visit Auschwitz, we found uh, uh, problems with like sleep disorders, uh, hypervigilance, uh, intrusive thoughts, and all of those um, uh, uh, problems that mental health problems that uh, we observe normally among, uh, you know, survivors of disasters or uh, war veterans so this is this was very uh, upsetting to me and particularly we found that among those young people who highly empathized with the jewish suffering so those who really were so shocked but by- by what they have seen. So this is why I, I think it's very essential that we should prepare students much better to those visits, because in case of Polish visits to Auschwitz, they're unprepared. They are, it's just, you know, they are usually going to a tr- for a trip to Krakow to visit salt mines in, uh, uh, in um, uh, Wieliczka, and then on the way back, they just jump to Auschwitz for three hours and then they come back to their hometowns. And this is very problematic because there is no work around that. There is no real uh, so the, uh, the psychological counseling to them after what they have seen, and I think that even good teacher can become such a counselor and helping in in that. Uh, so this is one problem. I see another problem with the Jewish tours to 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 Auschwitz. Uh, so both the March of the Living and Israeli uh, visitors coming to Poland. Because usually these are one-week visits that are focused predominantly on the Holocaust. So it's visiting Treblinka, Auschwitz, Warsaw Ghetto, Krakow Ghetto, and Płaszów, yes, and Majdanek. If you combine that in one week, it's also a massive traumatization. But at the same time, it's also lack of contact with the Poland of today. So they have no chance. Many, most of them, have no chance to visit uh, to to meet young people of their. Age uh, to see Poland, which is a vibrant country, a new modern country, and they come back with the impression that uh, this is the country of the Holocaust. And, and that's it. So uh, we have seen that um, there is, um, we've done one such study comparing the level of uh, the attitudes of Israelis toward Poland and Poles towards Israel and Israelis. and we found that actually poles are more open to Israelis than the Israelis are against poles. So there's a high, high, highly there is highly negative attitudes among Israelis against Poland today. So I think there is also much to be done um, in that respect, uh, also to acknowledge the fact that we have political leaders who are obviously anti-Semitic, but it doesn't mean that the whole population, that the whole society, is uh, anti-Semitic, And as I said in the beginning of this um, uh, podcast, there is, uh, I know many young people in Poland who are exploring the Jewish history, who are preserving Jewish cemeteries in their hometowns, who are trying to commemorate the Jewish communities in their hometowns, who are proud of the Jewish history of the towns in which they Mm -hmm. live. And uh, I think this is very important. This is something that needs to be uh, promoted, that needs to be supported. And the activities, for example, there's the, the, the Forum for Dialogue, um, a foundation which brings together those, those people all around Poland who are trying to preserve the, the Jewish history. Uh, usually these are teachers, these are librarians, these are sometimes people who are completely, they have no professional connection to that. They do that in their free time, in their, uh, as, as the kind of uh, a mission that they have. Uh, a mission to preserve the, the jewish history when at the absence of jewish jewish communities uh, in those towns today so something like that happens and um, i hope that uh, those people will set the uh, that they, they will uh, um, frame the, the the general way of treating those those topics and those issues in Poland, rather than those uh, populist politicians that are that try to to uh, fearmonger uh, to spread conspiracy theories uh, against Jews. And um, I think this is a clash that we have today between the civic society and people who are who want to do to to, to make some difference in this uh, and and on the other hand politicians who are trying to to stop that process and to, to limit that and uh, uh, very recently they banned the presence of of many um, educational organizations in in schools so they don't want the government doesn't want uh, uh, um, also education uh, Holocaust education uh, institutions to enter polish schools. Uh, because they are aware that, uh, you know, as long as the students will have a proper Holocaust education, as long as they will become inspired to, to, to explore Jewish history, uh, they will not be uh, become an electorate of those uh, populist nationalist parties.
1: You have get, oh, go a bit, Evelyn, because we're running near the end. So I think we should... Go I'm, learning, I'm learning two...
0: two personally, I'm learning, learning two important lessons from you. One is um, one is n- when we discuss anti-Semitism um, not to overlook the suffering of people in the audience or people we're discussing it with uh, that in my mind you cannot measure uh, suffering every suffering is suffering and it deserves to be acknowledged and heard and um, and <laughs> Also an important lesson to me is to be careful with presenting Holocaust um, 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 monuments to to young people and to to understand that it can have a huge psychological, emotional impact and not to overdo it and give them the right um, support before and afterwards.
1: Yes, Evelyn. That is really well said, and and McCall's call to action. There's a lot of information. I hope people really listen carefully to this particular podcast. There's a lot call to action for us in the United States also about Holocaust education and what you just said. So as our time is running out, if there are any last words that you would like? Did we miss anything really important that you would like to share with us? The
2: really important thing is is please support those individuals who are still um, trying to confront antisemitism and try to commemorate the Jewish history in Poland. They still exist. They are under high pressure from the government, from the populist nationalist uh, uh, forces in the Polish politics. But um, uh, I hope those people will uh, will survive, but uh, obviously it's essential that they receive some support from uh, people uh, who care and who really would like uh, Poland and other East European countries to be on the democratic side and not to go back to those, uh, you know, those uh, uh, authoritarian and and uh, dark uh, 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 historical episodes. Because unfortunately, the uh, progression of Polish politics today is towards the more uh, authoritarian and uh, anti-democratic, illiberal uh, state, which is uh, a very upsetting thing to witness.
1: Yes, yes. I, I, As I said, I hope people really listen to this particular podcast, because there's a lot of work that needs to be done, and perhaps people outside Poland, as you pointed out, can also help people inside Poland. So thank you so much for sh- taking the time and sharing this with us. Thank you to the listeners. I do urge you Everyone who hasn't yet listened, uh, watched uh, the uh, Evelyn's documentary, Never Again is Now. To do so, you can do it on Amazon or YouTube. And you can find out more information about my free nonfiction Holocaust theater project at thinedgeofthewedge.com, which deals with Poland, including a Polish savior and the Holocaust in Poland kind of hitting both ends. And whenever you can, please speak up against anti-Semitism. Don't put yourself in physical harm, but do speak up when you can against anti-Semitism and hate. Thank you.